0: So our speaker for this morning is Keith Kassarjan. Uh, Keith is one who has been in ministry for a long time, Uh, preached for over 20 years in Alabama, Tennessee, and Kentucky. Uh, He attended Faulkner and then came and got his master's degree here at Bear Valley. Uh, But one of the things that is most impressive with Keith is some of the things that he's currently doing. Uh, he is the, the director of the extension program at Bear Valley here. And so if we have an extension school, uh, if there's something going on in one of our, our the other countries where a school is happening, uh, Keith probably knows about it, or he it's running through him, or he's directing it, or he has a hand in it. And I, just uh, yesterday, he was talking about how over the last five years... Because of the good work that he's doing directing all of these other schools, the students in these schools are responsible for about 17,000 baptisms. 17,000 baptisms. And obviously, Keith is not going to take any of the credit there. The credit belongs to our God. But there has to be somebody that is standing there trying to coordinate all of this together. And Keith is one of the ones that does that. Uh, he's an awesome guy. You spend five minutes with him, and you'll be a better person for it. Uh, his topic is running for the prize, which is very appropriate because he is an avid runner. I assume you're still a runner. Um, and so we're uh, going to be very blessed to listen to Keith this morning. Brother, come preach the word. Preach the word. Good
1: morning. Good morning. Oh, man. Is this on? Good morning. Good morning. Boy, Okay. You are awake. That's good. It's good to see you. I, I know to not do that. You say good morning and the response is like that, but I couldn't help but try it anyway. And um, I'm glad you're here, though. It is, you know, it's a beautiful day. You could be doing something else, and um, and but you're here, and I'm thankful that you are. may me ask you a question. How many of you play sports? How many play sports? All right. About, looks like more than half, probably. Uh, which sports? Tell me. Which what do you what do you do? Football. Football? Softball?
0: Softball?
1: Karate. Karate? Ball. Volleyball? Basketball.
0: Basketball?
1: Baseball. Baseball. Somebody play soccer probably. That's I think the number up, oh, there we are. And he even brought his cleats. So he's ready to he's ready to play now. Any of you are are any of you runners? All right, good. We have some runners here. Now, here's the funny thing about running is you you know runners are um, a little different because there's. uh, I remember seeing a T-shirt that said that runners wore said, "My sport is your sports punishment." You you get what I'm saying? I remember playing basketball. If we messed up, we'd have to run. In football if you didn't practice hard enough you have to stay after and do what? Run. And so what they're saying was what we actually choose to do is actually, is the punishment in your sport. There is something there is something to that for sure. Well this morning we're going to be talking about running for the prize from 1st Corinthians chapter 9. I am convinced that the apostle Paul, he's the one who wrote this. I'm convinced that the apostle Paul was an athlete. And I am convinced of that because on a number of occasions he uses athletic metaphors uh, but comparing some manner of Christianity or Christian living with something in sports. Uh, he does that a number of times in 1st in and 2nd Timothy. Uh, a number of, of occasions that he, he uses analogies that have to do with sports and athletics and, and that kind of thing. But then Where we are today, he does the same thing again. Now, we don't know who wrote the book of Hebrews, but if it was him, some people think it was, some people think it wasn't. It doesn't matter. But in Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, he says, Run the race. So we have another athletic metaphor. And those of you who play sports, if you think about it, uh, there are a number of metaphors between Christian living and athletics. Uh, so much so that when I first started, I haven't always been a runner, but when I first started running, I was thinking, boy, this is a lot like fill in the blank. And I, so much so that I began running, I would go running with an index card and a golf pencil in my pocket because I would think of something, and by the time I finished the run, I would forget it. So I would think of something, some spiritual metaphor, and jot it down while I was running. And that was the beginning of a blog that I began called A Running Commentary. Real clever, huh? Uh, I'll share that with you later. When we get to the end, I'll share it. I'll share you the with you the, the link. If you want to read some more of the the parallels between running and Christian living. So we're in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 9. How many of you have already found that in your Bible? You already got that ready to go? We're going to be looking at the text and after we look at the text we're going to make some practical applications. That's where we're going to spend most of our time today. Alright so in uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 he has already made a number of parallels he's talked about soldiers uh, vine dressers shepherds, farmers and now he talks about the, this, the, this person who is running for the prize. He's, by the way, he's also going to slip another athletic metaphor in this same text. We'll talk about that when we get there. I'm convinced he was an athlete, and, and he could see the parallels, and I think probably many of you can as well. First Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24 and verse 27. Let's look at what he says to us in the text before we begin to make practical application. First of all, he says you need to run to win. Not just be out there running, but you need to run in a way that you will win. First Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 24, he says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? Okay, everybody that's in the race is running. All right, To be in the race running is not necessarily that big of a deal. But he says, "But only one receives the prize. Only one receives the prize." You have to understand. He's writing to people who also understand athletics. This is a culture uh, that birthed the Olympics. This was a culture that was very much into things like running and wrestling and boxing. And uh, th- this is not new with ESPN. Okay, they—he's using these metaphors. Because they understood it, and one of the things that was unique for them that doesn't translate for us, thankfully, is there was no second place. I have I have some I have some medals. I have quite a few medals that, but they they aren't because I won first place. I have a couple of trophies for first place, but most every race I've ever been in, I didn't win it. The, the medal is because I completed it. But they, they ran a race where the winner would receive usually a wreath that was made from laurel. And, the, and only one person got it. And so there was no moral victory in, well, I, at least I finished. He's saying when you go out there and run, you need to know only one person is going to win. And you need to run so that it will be you. And the point here is not that in the Christian race, only one person is going to win. Thankfully, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad in the Christian race, you don't have to be the best or the fastest or the the whateverest? Finishing is winning. But the point he's making here is that we ought to be serious about it. If you go into the race, this running race, and you're just kind of happy to be there, guess what? You don't win. You don't win. He's saying you need to run, and finishing the verse, run in such a way that you win. It's pretty easy to make translation to the Christian race. We need to take it so seriously that we're not just happy to be there on race day. He's saying there's a lot of people in the race. Big deal. You need to take it so seriously that you run in such a way that you win. Now, how do you win in the Christian race? You finish faithfully. You finish faithfully. That's how you win. And he's saying run in such a way that you will win. Run to win. By the way, some of you who play sports, you ever had somebody tell you, don't take it so seriously? Just have fun? See, that was never me. I've always been type A, and people would say, don't take it seriously, have fun. And my response was always, I can't have fun if I don't take it seriously. i have got to play all out. (laughs) And and we need to approach the Christian race the same way, that we are going to play, if you will, all out, because we want to run in such a way that we win. The next thing that he tells us in verse 25 is that we need to not only run, but we need to run with self-control. Verse 25, he says, and everyone who competes in the games exercises what? Self-control in all things. They do it to to receive a perishable wreath, but we, an imperishable wreath. See, one of the characteristics of everybody that that has ever entered the race is to some extent they had trained for it, they had prepared for it, in which all requires self-control. Discipline. And if you're not going to, to discipline self, you won't even get in the race to begin with. But he says, when you get in that race, you need to understand that self-control, self-discipline is needed. For those of you who play soccer or basketball or whatever it is, how many times you want to go to practice? Like, how many times in a week are you just, like, really anxious to get to practice? About zero? Yeah. Now, game day is a different story, right? We all play for game day. But game day doesn't happen without practice. And even practice doesn't happen without self-discipline. And... He's saying that when we are running the Christian race, self-discipline, self-control is necessary because everybody in that race has devoted countless hours to practice and, and persevering and, and not always doing what they want to do then because they can see the bigger picture and they were willing to prepare for what they really wanted.
0: Isn't
1: that, isn't that what self-discipline is? that I'm not going to do what I want now because I want to have what I want even more later. You think about all the aspects of our life that require that attitude. Yeah, right now, X, Y, and Z seems really, really tempting. But there's a bigger picture and there's something else later on that I want even more. Keep that in mind because there are going to be many times... We're tempted to not have self-discipline. He says, run run the race with self-control. In that physical race, what was the most they could win? A wreath that did what? I think it's okay for y'all to answer. It's scriptural. Alright? Can we do that, Brett? Can anybody actually answer me? Okay. All right, I thought so. We have we have authorization now. He says. They're running for a wreath that does what? It dies. it dies. That that laurel wreath, it looks really pretty and is nice and green, but about a week later, it's brown and the leaves are falling off. And, and he's saying, you know what? If people are willing to dedicate themselves and discipline themselves to run for something that is dead a week later, how much more should we be willing to discipline self, control self, to win a, a wreath that does not perish? We have to run with self-control. A third thing that he tells us is we need to run with purpose. We run with purpose. Verse 26 he says, "Therefore, okay. Therefore, because of what I just said, because we want to run the race to win, and because we want to run it with self-control, therefore, I run in such a way as not without aim." Now, sometimes when I go out for a run, and sometimes I'm in a you know somewhere else, another country or something, I just start running. The whole purpose is just to get some exercise, some fresh air, see some new places, and I might just start running. Uh, Mike Reese is over here in the corner. He used to be a runner. He's gotten old and decrepit now, and he can't do it. But uh, but we have run together several times in places, including in Tanzania, and uh, which is r- a really cool place to run. We, we've always enjoyed our runs there. Although one time, he got outrun by a guy in flip-flops. Just, just saying. Uh, <laughs> And so, you know, just go out for a run. It's just kind of like the, you know, just to enjoy. But he says, this is not that. He says, we're not talking about, oh, well, it's 530. I'm awake. I'm going to put on some shoes and just go get some exercise. He said, we're in a race and we're not going to just be out there wandering around with no purpose. He says, I'm not running without aim. And then here's that, that second, that additional sports metaphor in, at the end of verse 26. I box in such a way as not beating the air. So we have a boxing metaphor now. If you're a boxer and you're just beating the air, what are you accomplishing? He said if you're a boxer just beating the air, you ever see, ever, I like to watch boxing and, and MMA and stuff, and somebody takes a big swing and completely misses, they box boxed the air and nothing more. He says, if you're a boxer and you're just hitting the air, you're striking out. He says, we need to run with purpose. Because of everything that is at stake, that imperishable prize, it demands that not only we get in the race, we have self-control, but we, we remember the purpose for being in that race to start with. And he's encouraging these Corinthians to to think about why they're doing it. It's it's interesting also to notice, verses 24 and 25, he's in uh, a second-person position, and he now shifts to verse 26, he's in first-person. Because of this and this, I run with purpose. And he wants them to think about doing the same thing. We're not just out running around. We're not just out boxing the air. We, are, we have purpose. We have reason. And I know it's easy to forget. It's easy as a Christian, sometimes it's easy to forget why we're in the race to begin with. I can tell you, I've run a few long races. Uh, I've run seven marathons, which is 26.2 miles. I've run two ultra marathons, which is, and both of them were 31 miles. And and I can tell you, somewhere along the way, you start thinking, "Why am I doing this?"
0: <laughs>
1: I remember one time I was running the Atlanta Marathon, and I don't know who designed that course, but they ought to be shot because the last five miles were all uphill. Like we couldn't have done this in reverse and get that this out of the way to start with, and uh, and I remember so twenty-one to twenty-six all uphill and I remember just struggling up and I kind of caught up with the guy and I said this seemed like a good idea three months ago getting in this race seemed like a good idea three months ago right now I'm questioning my own sanity you, it's easy to forget sometimes why we ever got in the race to start with but if you ever feel like quitting the race just remember why you started to begin with remember your purpose and the world will tell you oh you're young don't worry about it you've got time Let's go ahead and sow some wild oats and and just kind of do your thing and, and it'll be okay. And there are even some adults that are not smart enough to recognize how foolish that is and they'll actually agree with it. I'm telling you, Paul would tell you, run with purpose. We have purpose. We're not out in this life just running around. We need to remember that we run with purpose. One more thing that he tells them is run like you tell others to run. Now this one's hard. This one is hard because it's easy to tell people how they ought to run, and then not do it ourselves. Paul says in verse twenty-seven, and this is you notice in verse twenty-six, it doesn't end with a period; it's a colon, a semicolon. So this, we're in the same sentence, the same thought. I'm running with purpose. I'm not boxing the air, and therefore I buff it. I I. Beat up my body and make it my slave. One tr- commentator translate, translates this. I give myself a black eye and keep my body under control. Why? Lest possibly, after I have preached to others, I myself should be what?
0: Disqualified.
1: Disqualified. The running expert is telling everybody how to run, and he stops running. It can happen, right? And it's easy for us to tell others how to run. I mean, I have people all the time asking me about running things and that kind of thing. It's easier to tell them how to run than it is for me to actually run. But Paul says, I need to be aware that I need to run in the same way that I tell others to run those of us who preach and teach that's a powerful responsibility it's easy to say the right thing it's a lot more challenging to do the right thing but Paul said we need to run just like we tell others to run you know one of the things I've I've observed over the years is it's much easier to give people advice than to live by that same advice ourselves because we know the right answer. It's hard to live by the right answer. All right, so those are the four things he tells us in this, this passage. And so how do we make application? This is where I want to really focus. What time do I, am I supposed to... You got, got about 15 minutes or something. I have 15 more. So. The uh, the timer up here is not operating, so if I go over, it's not my fault at all. <laughs> all right, let's talk about some practical tips to run for the prize. We're not just out here running around. We're not out here just goofing off. We're running for the prize. But how do we do that? Okay, this is where I want us to really have some takeaways that we can make this real practical. Number one, you're going to have to enjoy the journey. You have to enjoy the journey. You know, when you're preparing for a race, it's pretty hard. A lot of times, there are a lot of times you really don't want to do it. And the first three marathons I ever ran, and a, and a few half marathons, I, I I ran every mile by myself because I didn't know anybody else that was running race or was running at all, and so I ran by myself. And you know, I had to find some I had to find some things that I enjoyed just so I would keep the running going. It might be that the night before I went and found a podcast that I really wanted to listen to. When the alarm goes off at 5.30 and I don't want to get up, I, you know what, I, I do want to hear that podcast. And, and sometimes it was just enjoying being outside and the, and the scenery and seeing the sunrise. And my point is, Let's be realistic. Running the race isn't always enjoyable. It isn't. For one, one particular marathon I ran, I, I prepared, in preparation for one marathon, I ran over 600 miles to run 26.2. That wasn't always fun. That wasn't always fun. Some of the runs were three hours long. It wasn't always fun. I had to find something in there. I knew what I wanted, and this was going to get me to where I wanted, but that wasn't always so enjoyable. So I had to find something else to help me enjoy the journey to getting where I wanted to be. And I think we have to do the same thing in Christianity. Uh, you know, you want to go to heaven, you want to go to heaven. Well, that's, that's fine, but that doesn't really help me right now, Right? But what about the things that right now the fringe benefits of being a Christian what are those things that I can enjoy? What about our Christian friends? That's that's something that helps us to enjoy the journey along the way. There, There are a number of things that we can think about. The benefits, the blessings of being a Christian that help us to not only stay in the race but to continue running the race well. So Enjoy the journey. It really does become a matter of how we look at it. There's a big difference between I have to go to church and today I get to go worship with my friends. There's a big difference between those two things. Enjoy the journey. There's a lot to enjoy, by the way. The end is going to be the best part, but there's a, there's a really nice, enjoyable journey along the way to get there. The second practical thing is I, I would say I want to encourage you to be willing to look like a fool. We inherently avoid that. We don't typically go out of our way to do things that make us look really dumb or silly or stupid to other people. But we are willing to do that when we have a goal that is so important, so overriding in our life that we're willing to do it even when people think we're crazy. And I've had people tell me, you're crazy. You're running 31 miles, you're crazy. And I'm not going to disagree with them, because there are times I do agree with them. I'm not sure, but I know I had a goal. Three years ago, actually three and a half years ago, I realized that I had a a once-in-a-lifetime chance to run 50 kilometers for my 50th birthday. I was positive I wasn't going to do 60 for 60 and 70 for 70. I thought, this is my last chance. So I did a 50K, 31 miles. It was trail, it was muddy and rainy, and it was really about the worst conditions there could be. But I had this goal. I want to do this 50 for 50 thing. I'll never get another chance to do it. And I was willing to do whatever it took to make it happen. I could bore you with some of the details mid-race that I had to go through to make it happen. I still got some scars... But I was willing to do it. Why? I had this goal. One time I was, uh, I came in one morning to the church office and my secretary said, I was driving home yesterday in that driving, pouring rain. And I thought I saw somebody on the side of the road running. And I thought, what idiot would be running in this? And then she said, and I got close and I saw it was you. (laughs) Yeah. People thought, yeah, I, I understand. I get it, but guess what? There was a goal that was important, that was more important than what I was afraid others might think. Are you getting what I'm? Are you picking up what I'm laying down? When it's important enough, we're we're willing to look like a fool. I would say I would encourage you to do the same thing with Christianity. By the way, we had a young man. Where I'm from, principal called the uh, our preacher. Said, "Hey, uh, this is principal so and so at high school. Uh, do you have a church member there named?" And gave his name. He said, "Yeah." He said, "Well, we're having a problem." And the preacher said, "I, I thought to myself, how? Not him. He wouldn't." He said, "Okay, what is it?" He said, "Well, he is. Uh, he's having Bible studies in the boys' bathroom." <laughs> And he said, you know, really, it's not that the problem isn't that he's having Bible studies. It's just there's a logistical problem. It's getting crowded in the boy's bathroom. And so what we're going to do is, and this was happening during breaks between classes, we're going to give him a classroom to let him do that. And, you know, he was having 60 people. Wow. And the boys' bathroom got un, <laughs> unclogged at the same time. You know what? Some of those people came because they laughed at him. Some of them came to make fun of him. But a lot of them didn't. If it's important, are you willing Are you willing for the world to think you're a fool? Next, I want to remind you it's easier to run with the group. And this is not even close. I enjoy running solo sometimes. But if you want uh, motivation, if you want accountability, if you want partnership and camaraderie and conversation that makes the miles fly by, you got to run with a group. And I know this because I've done it both ways. And there are, there have been, there still are mornings where the only reason I get up when the alarm goes off is because I know there's a couple of people waiting for me. And if I don't show up, that group text is going to give me a hard time all day long. And then we we get there and we start talking and and, and the miles just fly by and soon we're done. And it's better than if we'd gone by ourselves. You get what I'm saying. We need each other. We need each other. We, we don't always have each other. But you know what? In a way, and I know there's some negative things you can say about these things, but these things can keep us connected in a way that we've never had before. You're not alone. You're never alone anymore. And it is much better to run with a group. You know, race day, nobody has a hard time getting up for race day. I only run races that are on Saturdays. And so, I, you know, Saturday... Normal Saturday is the long run if you're just running and you're uh, uh. but if Saturday's race day, man, you're out of that bed like a pop tart out of the toaster, you because you, you're ready and you get there and there are all these people with that are that are there for the same reason is a big group and everybody's happy and 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 it's race day. That's like Sundays for us, isn't it? We have a big group of people. We're all here for the same purpose. We're all happy. It's easy. To run on race day, it's easy to be a Christian on Sunday, but Monday, and and Tuesday, and Thursday. You see, we need each other. And if you're going to run this race, you're going to do it a lot better and a lot more enjoyable if you run with a group. Next, you need fuel. Fuel. You need fuel. As a runner, you know you know you have to have it. And after a certain number of hours of running, every runner knows what's happen, what's going to happen. He's going to hit the wall. Now, physiologically, it's when the glycogen supplies run out and they get depleted and all that, and suddenly you, you don't have it anymore. And every runner that's ever run any long distance has hit the wall And it's the most surreal thing. You can not go. You just can't. And so what what the runner does is not get a big feast right before mile one. No. He knows he needs a little bit of fuel all along the way. We even have these little uh, packets of gel. They're easy to slip in your pocket. And they give you 100 calories of pure energy. And you take one of those every so often. And you get a cup of Gatorade every so often. And that little bit of fuel adding along the way helps you finish the race. You know, one big meal at the beginning, that's not going to help. You need some fuel all along the way. One big meal on Sunday. One big meal at a, a, a youth rally. That's good. That, that's fine. But we need fuel all along the way. And too many people are trying to run the Christian race without fuel. They don't uh, attend the worship assemblies like they should. They don't come to the devotionals like they should. They don't text their Christian friends like they should. They are, they're trying to run without fuel. And guess what? They hit the wall. They hit the wall. You need fuel. Uh, First, or um, Hebrews chapter 10 verses uh, 23 through 25. Now 25 is the, the verse that everybody knows, but don't miss 23 and 24. And what he says is don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together whenever that is, because when you, when you come together, two things happen. Two things happen. When you come together, number one, you encourage others And number two, you are encouraged by others. It's a joint relationship. I need that encouragement. You need that encouragement. When we come together, we get that. We both get it at the same time. You need fuel. Don't try to run the Christian race without fuel. Next, don't stop. I've had people say, well, how can you run 26 miles? And I say, actually, it's 26.2 (laughs) <laughs> because at 26 miles, I'll tell you, that .2 is a big deal. How can you run that far? And I know it sounds smart-alecky, and I don't mean it that way, but literally the only way I know to, to answer it is to say, you start, and then you don't stop. That's it. I mean, I know that's really profound, but that's really what it amounts to. You start, and then you don't stop. Now, at times you're tempted to stop. At times you want to stop. But you know you can't stop. And it doesn't matter how fast you run or how uh, gracefully you run. If you just keep running and you don't stop, guess what happens? You end up finishing the race. Don't stop. And then one more practical reminder for all of us, is this. Remember that the victory is worth it all. This is ultimately what's going to keep us motivated. There is great satisfaction when you finish. Yeah, you finish that race, uh, the the marathon or the whatever, and they, they hand you the medal when you go across. You put that metal on and you kind of wear it for the rest of the day. <laughs> and, then, and then never again I go and hang it up where all the others hang. There's nothing about that metal that is satisfactory. Some of them are kind of small and cheap. Some of them are really nice and heavy. At the end of the day, it's just something that says you finished. You know what really, what is really satisfying? Is that I started and I finished. That's the victory. And even those trophies that say first place, well, those are nice and for me, rare. But even that's not really the thing. The victory is that I started and that I finished. And that's what Paul is getting at. Run the race so you'll win. You have to have self-discipline and you have to have purpose And and you have to make sure you're, you're doing what you would tell other people to do, but run the race because the victory is worth it all. Those are six practical applications. I don't know where you are in your Christian race right now. Maybe some of you haven't even begun yet. You haven't been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. When you are prepared to do that, God will forgive your sins and He'll put you in the race. You're now running the Christian race. Maybe you've been tired. Maybe you've been trying to run without fuel. Maybe you've Kind of pulled away from the group a little bit. I don't know where you are in your race right now. Maybe you've even fallen. Maybe you've even fallen. Tripped over something. Just get back up. Get back up. God allows second chances and third chances and tenth chances. Get back up and get back in the race. Think about these practical tips. Uh, All right, I want to share. uh, I'm calling it a shameless plug. Uh, this is a very old picture for a very old blog that is uh, sort of forgotten. But and if QR code, if you want to scan that to go to it later, or you uh, want to just use the, the web address to go to it later, or you don't want to go to it later at all, that's totally fine with me. Uh, I In here, I explore a number of the, the, um, the similes between running, running and running the Christian race and you might find some of them beneficial to you, uh, as, you uh, as you think about what it takes to really run the Christian race. <laughs> want to end with this picture um, I'll give you just a second more I'm good on time okay uh, does that QR code work from that far away back? it does? Wow okay that's pretty cool isn't that amazing? alright this is a picture this is a friend of mine he was a. a t- he's he's older now. You can tell by the uh, by the unfortunate fashion choices and hairstyles in the picture. You can tell this was in the seventies, and uh, so he's older now and he can't run like this anymore. But he was a really really good runner. He ran a marathon. His fastest marathon is like thirty minutes faster than my fastest marathon. He's, he was a really good runner, and he told me that he wants he wants at his funeral he wants the casket closed because he didn't want him, people walking by looking at him. My wife says the same thing. And he wants this picture on top of the casket. And he wants this to be said. Steve just finished the most important race in all of life. And he's won the race. Think about that. All of the other stuff. It's just that. But at the end of the day, we're running a race in this life. We don't know how long it's going to be. We don't know how short it's going to be. I just went to the funeral of a 19-year-old. We don't know how long this race is. But we do know that if we get in it and we run faithfully, then one day we're going to receive the victory. May God bless us all as we run for the prize.